This is the In Focus podcast from the Hindu. Hello and welcome to the In Focus podcast. I'm your host G Sampath. India's ambitious Cheetah relocation project got a shot in the arm when one of the translocated females named Jwala gave birth to four cubs in March this year. These were the first Cheetah cubs to be born in India since the species went extinct in the country about 70 years ago. But in an unfortunate turn of events, three out of the four cubs have died and the fourth one is also reported to be very weak and is under close medical monitoring. The Environment Ministry in a press release has claimed that the survival rate of cheetah cubs is only 10%. So does this mean that the deaths of the three cheetah cubs were along uh, sort of expected lines? Should we not be too perturbed by them? Or should the survival rate be higher in the absence of predators as is the case apparently in the Kuno National Park in Madhya Pradesh. So what are the various factors that could have a bearing on the survival of translocated cheetah cubs? We explore all these questions and more in this episode of InFocus. And we have with us Dr. Bettina Wachter, head of the Cheetah Research Project and a senior scientist at the Leibniz Institute for Zoo and Wildlife Research, Berlin. Uh, Bettina, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, hello, good morning, and thank you for talking with me. <laughs> Great. So, uh, Bettina, first off, three out of the four cheetah cubs, you were all excited when they were born. Uh, we thought this is like a road to success for Indian uh, cheetahs, re- India's cheetah relocation project. Uh, but three out of the four have died, and the cause of death, according to official uh, reports, is quote-unquote extreme heat, weakness, malnutrition. The cubs were also found to be underweight and dehydrated. Now, aren't cheetah cubs in the wild supposed to be hardy enough to survive these conditions, especially in the absence of predators? Yeah, I mean, predators are, of course, an important factor that are a problem for little cheetah cubs. But this very first period, when they are still in the lair, which is the place where the mother hides the little ones and protects them. This is a very sensitive time period. And it is really likely that there are also other factors that come in here. And it's, uh, they are not, in, in this sensitive phase, they are not that um, sturdy that they can just uh, survive easily. So this is really a, is a difficult period. Right. So they were uh, reported to be... Uh extremely malnourished and dehydrated and so on. Like, how does this happen? Is it the case that the mother uh, did not take care of them properly? Uh, they, they did not give them adequate food? Like, how do, do how do these kinds of conditions develop? And if they develop, what does the cheetah's mother of the cubs in the natural condition, what do they generally do? How do they handle this? Or do they generally end up dying? Yeah, in these very first uh, weeks and uh, two months when they are in this lair, it's really the, the mother who has to take care of them and suckle them regularly. And if it's very hot, as it was in that uh, period when the little ones were born, then it's really uh, also difficult for the mother because when she suckles the little one, they are very close to her and this heats up everybody. <laughs> so it is really 
uh, up to the mother. So this can also be a problem uh, in, in other areas. And uh, the, the, it, it's the full responsibility of the mother who has tackled this. And when she is unexperienced, then um, she might not really take this too serious. <laughs> and then these things can happen. Right. Yeah. You mentioned the weather. Uh, it was reportedly about 46, 47 degrees Celsius in Kono when the Cubs uh, uh, ended up uh, dying. So do you think heat was a factor? But but then uh, these are African cheetahs, but aren't they used to this kind of heat in their native habitats in, in the African continent? Yes, that, that's a good point. Of course, in Namibia, this is a very hot country. It's a large area is desert and it's also very hot. Uh, also, South Africa is hot. But really, degrees above 40 uh, is, is rare. And then it really becomes a problem. Uh, of course, yeah, they are used to very hot situations. But if the mother is not experienced, um, uh, I really think this, this can be a problem that she just could not cope with it. Right. No, speaking of the mother's experience, now apparently uh, this Namibian cheetah, uh, which gave birth to the cubs, it was not like 100% wild and it was sort of hand-bred, quote-unquote. And therefore, uh, some experts are saying that it was inexperienced in terms of tending to her cub. And uh, so do you think the cubs possibly died because... Its mother was inexperienced when it comes to mothering kind of behavior? Experience is certainly an important factor in raising cubs and um, make them yeah, uh, growing up properly. This is, a, is an important factor. Females who give for the first time birth, they struggle quite a bit and then they learn in the next time. So experience is one of the most important factor. And obviously this female... Uh, bred for the first time. So obviously she was selected, uh, although she was inexperienced, but um, this is certainly an important factor, yes. Right, yeah, as you rightly mentioned, this is the first litter of this particular uh, female and hopefully the next time around uh, it will be a different story. Now, coming back to uh, the key question in this podcast, which is the cheetah cub mortality rate. Uh, it is a, it is sort of reportedly very high and the government has said the survival rate is only 10%. Now, I don't know where this 10% rate comes from. Is it applicable to a place like Kono or is this 10% specific to certain kinds of environment, maybe a predator-rich environment? Like how does this 10% apply to this Kono kind of a setting? Yeah, I think this is the key question. <laughs> um, I'm also not very sure where this 10% come from. There are several um, information on this, and it's certainly not applicable to entire Africa. And I don't know whether it's applicable to Kuno. But what is known is that in the Serengeti National Park, there, the survival rate or the raising success of cubs is quite small. And probably this number comes from the Serengeti National Park, where there are a lot of lions and a lot of spotted hyenas. And most of the little cubs are killed by lions and spotted hyenas. So when you look into the published data and you have information of the number of cubs in the lair, in the Serengeti, then the survival of these cubs to reach four months is 9%. So it might be that this uh, number comes from there. If you look even later, when they are 14 months, then it's even lower. Then you just have 5% of survival. 
But if you go somewhere else, <laughs> uh, for example, to Botswana and the Kalagari Transfrontier Park, which is a park that crosses um, uh, Botswana and, and South Africa, there, there also information from there when the researchers saw little cubs in the lair. And when you are there in an area where there are not many lions and spotted hyenas, very low density, then it looks very different. Then the survival to four months is 35%. And if it's then even, um, if you look at 14 months, it's 30%. And then we have also the information from Namibia, where we work since more than 20 years. There it's difficult to see cups uh, in the lair. They are not habituated to us. But when we look at the cups, when they emerge at two months of age, then we have 80% of survival to four months or 14 months. So I do not want to bore you with all these numbers. I just want to say that depending on where you are and how many lions and spotted hyenas are around, there is very different uh, survival rate of, of the little ones. And coming back to your question, whether this is applicable to Kuno, this depends on how the predators uh, behave and how they react to little cheetah cubs when they find them. If the leopards that are around, I think also some tigers or other predators, if they behave the same as in Africa and kill the little ones, then yes, then there is uh, also a high um, percentage of cubs that will be killed by predators. If they do not kill the little ones or not that quickly, then the situation looks much better. So, yeah, obviously um, they anticipate 10% of survival, which is quite low. And um, yeah, I, I don't know whether this is supposed to be predators or, or inexper inexperience in mothers or yeah, uh, these are all information that I do not have. I just have the published information <laughs> where the biggest part are pred predation, but also yeah, weakness of cups. This is also a factor. Right. I mean, in the mind, thank you so much for sharing those numbers. They're not boring at all. In fact, it's pretty clear, at least to me, from what you're saying, that the Serengeti uh, numbers, which is the survival rate of 10%, is very specific to that particular uh, domain, that region, because of the presence of lions and spotted hyenas, who, uh, which, which go and uh, eat those cubs or kill them, as you said. But you correctly, I mean, you have pointed out that in, in that Botswana, South Africa, sanctuary as well as in the namibia one the survival rate is much higher than uh, than 10% it is 35% for up to 4 months and 30% at 14 months and again 80% as you said uh, in namibia so uh, i would say that in, in kuno it's very clearly we know that none of those cubs were killed by any predator none of the three cubs were killed by any lion or a spotted you know they died of uh, malnutrition weakness uh, dehydration and so on. So it's clearly uh, it's something uh, where we can say that this 10% rate should not be applied here at any rate and the survival rate ought to be higher. So in this context, like what are there any other factors apart from uh, the mother's inexperience? What about the mother's reproductive health? Uh, does it have a role to play? And you know, in the way this, this, we don't know how this Namibian cheetah was bred. Is there anything the way these cheetahs are, the females are bred, and how they are, how they their reproductive health develops? Does that have anything to sort of any kind of impact on the health of the cubs? 
Yeah, cheetah females have an interesting reproductive health. <laughs> um, that's what we uh, also published. And it is such that uh, females can actually um, only become pregnant, at least um, when you have them in a captive environment, between their ages of four years to uh, two years up to four and a half years. This is the, um, the, the time period where it's easy to breed uh, females, also in captivities, in zoos, and in the uh, wild, they anyway breed as soon as they can. So there is a time window when females can be bred very easily. And when this time window is over and the female was not pregnant up to four and a half years, then it becomes very difficult when to become um, pregnant again as a cheetah female. And the reason is that if cheetahs are not bred in the first two or three years, there will be um, tumors uh, growing uh, in the reproductive tract or they have um, other problems. And then it's very difficult to breed them. So there's a time window and this is not related to stress level. So even females that are quite stressed, maybe in zoological gardens, as long as they are bred in this time window, there is no problem. And the stress level is not really relevant. So when it's said that uh, in Kuno, uh, this is a sign of that female was not stressed, it might be, but maybe also not. So females can breed when they are highly stressed. The important thing is that it is in this time window for the first time. And once the female got pregnant in these early years, then she can also easily become pregnant later in her life. But the first breeding has to be quite early. So this is very specific for cheetahs, but this is also known from other animals like elephants and rhinos that they have uh, this phenomenon that they have to be bred very early. Right. Now, speaking of stress levels, I mean, on the one hand, uh, you pointed out uh, the claim uh, that this cheetah, this female cheetah was not under stress because uh, it, the fact that it gave birth is seen as an indicator of stress and you're saying that need not be the case. But then there was another cheetah uh, in Kono which died apparently uh, uh, during or following a mating kind of a situation where the two uh, male uh, adult cheetahs sort of uh, got into some kind of a violent situation and the cheetah ended up dying. So. Like, what, what are your observations in terms of the mortality slash survival of adult cheetahs? Because we've had a number of adult cheetahs. I think two or three of them have already died uh, as well, not apart from these cubs uh, in Kuno. So, and one of them died in a kind of a violent encounter with other cheetahs. So, how does this happen? And is there any way uh, we can anticipate and safeguard against this? Yeah, when females uh, meet males... For mating, uh, there are not many observations in the wild, but those that exist come again mainly from the Serengeti National Park in Tanzania. And from there, it's known that these interactions are quite violent, uh, quite intimidating for the female. That's uh, obviously how it works with cheetahs, but it's very unusual. And also, it doesn't make much sense that males really actively kill a female if they want to breed with her. So either the female was not ready, was not in estrus, and they somehow, everything got a bit out of control, or she was 
in estrus and was theoretically ready but didn't want to mate with these males because females are quite um, selective with their mate partners which makes sense because they are uh, they can give birth or if they raise a litter they give birth only every second year so this is a quite uh, low reproduction rate so it's very important for a female to breed with the male that she thinks is uh, feasible for her. And if she doesn't want to mate with these males, then, um, yeah, maybe then this can happen. If she has a choice, this is much better. Then she can choose between the males because it's she's blocked for the next two years. And um, unless the cubs die, then she resumes very quickly again her cycling and can breed again. But if a female raise one cup or six cups, she's blocked for two years in any way. So um, she might not have wanted to mate with them or things just got out of control in this new situation in which all of them were. Right. I mean, this does sort of uh, suggest that uh, it's it's a very tough uh, to sort of make them survive in a new environment. You're saying there are two uh, challenges. One, uh, in a mating situation, when the male is sort of interested, the female has to be in estrus. If she's not in estrus, it will she will probably resist or not respond. And secondly, uh, even if she is in estrus and if the male is not uh, a candidate, she approves of, uh, she may not again uh, respond. And over and above this, she's only available for mating once in two years uh, because of the this reproductive cycle. So all those things, of course, do add up to the challenge of uh, raising an adequate number of uh, cheetahs, breeding them in India and developing them into a sustainable adult population of, I mean, the, the goal is 35 in numbers. So it's not going to be easy. So in this context, like, uh, like w what would you suggest in terms of a strategy that the wildlife scientists in charge of the cheetah translocation project in India, what could they follow to ensure better survival, survivability of the cubs? Or is it possible that the only way to reach a sustainable population in India is by getting the cheetahs to produce as many cubs as possible in the hope that even if only 10% were to survive, the 10% in absolute numbers uh, would be maybe a greater number if it's if it happens more frequently? Like, What would you like three or four suggestions that you would like to share to ensure a greater survivability? Uh of course, we can hope <laughs> this is one um, option, um, but uh, yeah, we should ante anticipate a bit um, more uh, also other uh, suggestions and particularly also use the information that is published and all the knowledge that is known. Uh, there is a lot of knowledge around, so this is possible to integrate. So there are probably several topics. One, so far we talked about uh, the mortality or survival of cubs, but I also read every now and then that the entire translocation is expecting about 50% of deaths of the adults. So if we have now 50% of deaths of the adults that is expected, which also means 50% of the females uh, will die, and of this 50% of the females, 90% of their cups will die, then this is a very, very slow process. So um, this is, um, uh, of course, we can hope that this all works. But I think 
um, what we know from the scientific so, literature. Bettina, sorry, so, sorry to interrupt you. So when you say 50% of uh, adults will die, you are talking about specifically a translocated scenario, right? Not in the natural course. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is what I read, that this is in translocation projects, something that has to be expected, about 50% of deaths. Uh, no, no, no. In, 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 free, in the wild, free-ranging uh, cheetahs, th- this is not the case. Uh, there, the mortality is, is mainly when uh, humans kill them because of retaliation of uh, human wildlife conflicts. Um, this is the translocation as such. I do not really know... Um, what are the reasons for this 50% of death? But this is what I read. And if you add this together, uh, then it's quite low. <laughs> so does this not mean, I'm just asking a very generic kind of a question, maybe it's a naive question, uh, not an appropriate one, but uh, then in that case, when we do this kind of a translocation project, by the very act, even with all the best intentions and the best facilities and expertise, etc., then we are essentially giving uh, a death sentence to 50% of the cheetahs we're looking at, right? This is what I read. You know, I I was not involved at all uh, in this entire planning and project, but this is what I read in the media, that this is what has to be expected. (laughs) Okay. Okay, sorry, you were going going to say something earlier about uh, the strategies that Indian scientists could adopt to ensure better survivability and quicker quicker reach towards... Sustainable population in India. Yeah. So um, what we know is that, as I told already, that the experience of the females is a key point here, because females who are experienced in raising cups, they are really better than females that do this for the first time. And so one option could be to select females that have this experience. I do not know how the females were selected, those that uh, were brought to India, uh, obviously also inexperienced ones, but if if these are then more experienced females, they might also deal maybe with these very hot temperatures because they maybe just accept that they have to suckle them regularly, even though it's hot and even though if they are all together, uh, at her belly, it's even hotter. They just resist this. Um, so I think this is probably something that has um, the best chances for increasing the number of cups. But of course, if predation comes in, then this is another factor. Of course, experienced females are also better in approaching the lair where the little ones are hidden. They look around, they stop, they maybe also distract uh, uh, following hyena. They go in one direction, which is wrong. So they they try to um, anticipate all this. And this is clearly something that experienced females can do better. So they are better in nursing the cubs, in um, dealing with probably also extreme temperatures. And they're also better in trying to to move away predators. But um, yeah, this is one option that could be um, followed. And whether then the, this, the predators are really such a big problem or not, I do not know. I don't know how leopards and tigers react to it. But I think this is something that 
is possible to adjust. Um, but yeah, I have really, as I said, no idea which females were chosen for what reason. So, um, but it could right. be I mean, something. The, uh, this, this is a very good suggestion, Abetina, one that we could probably be, we would, we should be able to implement because there is a plan to get uh, maybe a 10 or 12 uh, uh, cheetahs every year from uh, for the next 5 to 10 years. Uh, to build a sustainable population. So they could very well look at selecting females which have already had one litter. Unlike uh, this particular female, Jwala, for whom these four cubs were the first litter, so it was clearly inexperienced. So maybe if they have, if they bring a cheetah which has already had experience of being a mother, maybe it would definitely help in sort of managing the heat, suckling, as you rightly said. So this is something, it is an actionable suggestion. Is there anything else uh, you you'd would like to recommend for uh, for India? Um, yeah, it's a bit difficult for me because, yeah, as I said, I, I was not involved. But I think the important thing is to use the information that is out. There is a lot of published information, a lot of data from various different uh, ecosystems. Some um, actions or some topics like survival or mortality. This is a very flexible thing that differs in the different um, areas. And there are others that are much more rigid, like the social system or the mating system. These are things that are, that are much more rigid across all the ecosystems. But I think my, my main idea would be to consider everything that is published and is scientifically based and then um, take out from there the information that is most suitable for the situation. Right. I think that's a very good suggestion. I mean, Bettina, your, your own article I was just reading uh, today on reproductive health and behavioral patterns of female cheetahs just published, written about it, I think about 10 years ago, if not longer. All this information is definitely uh, available in the public uh, domain. And of course, uh, there are suggestions, specific ones that you've shared as well. Is there anything else you wanted to add, uh, Bettina, before we wrap up? I really hope that this will be a success um, because it is, was a lot of effort that was put in. And it would be great if, if the mortality could brought down, down from 50% of adults and also down from 90% of, of the cups. Um, although this is not yet happening, you know, this is something that... Um, is suggested that might happen, but I really hope it doesn't happen and that that the little ones can survive because they're very nice. <laughs> yes, they are very nice. I, I did uh, check out their photographs when they were born, which was widely shared on social media. <laughs> they look yeah. like little kittens. Yeah, it's really sad uh, that the three of them could not survive and we would very much hope and pray uh, that, they, that the ones to come and the one which is left from this litter does survive and become strong and grows into a healthy adult. And of course, uh, it has to be said as well that the Indian scientists are doing their best, but it is a new situation for the cheetahs and for them as well, because this is the first of its kind and the most ambitious translocation project. And I'm sure lessons are being learned with every passing week. And uh, on that note, uh, we'll uh, wrap up this episode. Thank you so much, uh, Bettina, for joining us once again and sharing your acute observations and insights on the cheetah's uh, behaviors and reproductive health and mating patterns and survivability and so on and so forth. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks to you. It was nice to chat with you. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. 
In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.